Wednesday, Papa Trips parted the wrestling seas and said, follow that. It's the State of Combat Podcast on CBS Sports with the Brian Campbell, and we are talking pro wrestling. We are talking night number one of the rest of your lives. It is the new NXT live Wednesday nights. Wow. Talk about the week that was in pro wrestling. We're about to actually do just that and talk about it. But what a debut for NXT. We're going to break all things down on that. Look back on Raw and SmackDown. But spoiler alert, this could be the yellow and black show for all I care. Hey, call it the red and black show. We may need to make some changes because Paul has spoken. Yes, he did. Wow. Uh, Hey, five-star review. Give it to us. That's enough. Enough with that talk, okay? You know what it's about. You know what we want. You know what we're here for. I know what's in your pants, and I want it. Just whip it out and give it to me. Five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume fine audio. I don't want to sell you anything else. I don't want to do anything but talk NXT. So let me bring in my co-host. Say hello to the bad guy. Oh, yeah. He'll block you if he doesn't like you. But when it comes to NXT, he can hear Jimmy, and he's about to tell you all about it. He's the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. Hey, now. BC, I do want to talk NXT very, very, very much. But I do first have a question for you. I want to cross the state of combat streams a little bit, for lack of a better term. Have you seen Cain Velasquez in wrestling? Have you seen the latest effort that he's given this AAA promotion in Mexico? Yeah, Sunday night they went uh, to the Madison Square Garden Theater for some reason going head-to-head with WWE's Clash of Champions, which we provided an instant analysis pod if you have not checked that out on State of Combat. Dude, I don't get it. Kane, the off-injured? former two-time UFC heavyweight champion, can move. He can glide. He can fly. Adam, every single time that man has stepped near a octagon or fighting surface in the last six, seven, eight years, he gets hurt instantly and sort of stunts his potential, which was really to be the greatest heavyweight in MMA history. How is he doing these uh, these top rope topes and uh, insane hurricane ranas and just bouncing back? I guess, uh, you know, wrestling is fake. Wow. I mean, that is a question for you to answer because I know him very limitedly as a UFC heavyweight and MMA guy. And it almost says to me, we may be seriously discounting how many former MMA and UFC stars will be winding up in professional wrestling over the next few years. Because, look, we've seen it long term, right? Shamrock, Dan Severn. Obviously, more recently, Ronda Rousey and Velasquez, and of course, Shayna Baszler and the, the Horsewomen. But Don't forget about is, Brock Lesnar, Adam. Of course, Brock Lesnar too. Uh, but is this something that's just getting started? In your opinion, are we going to see? You know, gotten maybe ne- ne- I was going to say Nate Diaz, maybe never <laughs> Nate Diaz. But are we going to see some of these guys and girls cross over more frequently, especially now that WWE is on Fox on such a large network television? Yeah, I, th- I think we will. And you're right. It's not that it's new, but yeah, I you know, something we talked to Shannon Baszler about on the show just a few weeks ago. 
it is a soft landing when you hit a certain crossroads in your career. And you're like, look, I'm a physical guy. I can do these moves. I've done them in judo, jujitsu, wrestling, you know, amateur wrestling training, all that. Um, it could extend their careers. You still need a, a strong personality for it, obviously, which is why Kane, for example, him ever getting into this was always sort of questionable because, you know, part of him never becoming a true crossover superstar in UFC was his inability to talk and sell himself. I mean, he's very dry and boring. I know he's wearing a mask now and and he's a, has the Mexican background and there's potential just for being a great athlete. But, yeah, I, I wonder if this is going to open the door even more than ever before because you're going to hit a wall in your UFC career inevitably. You know, I mean... Matt Riddle had a different kind of wall. He hit a he hit a wall because of too much marijuana use. He was on a four fight win streak. But even him, he you know when he does interviews says, "Look, I, I was only long for that sport for a certain you know to a certain level." I think he realized like he was a good fighter. He wasn't a great fighter by any means. He can come into this and be great and do this for a long time. Yeah, I think this is. And there's a it's there's a lot more than just those names. There's the you know Tom Lawler, Stephen Bonner. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of lower ish level. There's a lot of you know Frank Mir types that are getting into things like the blood sport. Josh Barnett, who's bounced back and forth. Um, yeah, Tank Abbott. How dare you? Forget? That is something to talk about <laughs> and look out for in the future. But uh, we're here to talk NXT. I don't even know if we're here to talk anything else, Adam. All right. So, do you want to get any any of all your shout outs out of the way? You want me to tell me to watch some other podcast on this or listen to on this network? You want me to? uh, Can I sell some Silver King merch? Do that all now. So that I know those. I'm a Silver King guy. That sign got a lot of pub. Makes me think a shirt should potentially happen. But we'll get to all that, BC, uh, and we'll get to those adverts eventually. But first, we got to get into the main event. And you mentioned it. It's NXT's debut on USA Network. Obviously, we pushed this podcast a full 24 hours just to make sure that we could talk about it fresh uh, and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, BC. So starting off, give me your overall thoughts of NXT's two-hour debut. Um, I know that you did not watch it live. Not, I'm not hating on that, certainly. But you didn't experience what a lot of fans did, which was WWE Network issues going from hour one to hour two. So just from your viewing experience... What did you think of the show and what did you think of the way WWE kind of ended it in one hour one to get over to WWE Network, which obviously is just a two week remedy at this point? Feel that! Yes, did you feel that? Yeah, I, I felt it in my bones, Kevin Owens. Um, Adam, I'm not gonna hit the siren button because it wasn't exploding candy. It wasn't uh Oh my God, we never thought of that or saw that before. But you know what it was? A, a really almost perfect introduction to who they are and what they can do. From Paul Levesque's face with a darkened background getting setting you off in the beginning. And, I, and tell me if I'm wrong. They didn't use the really bad metal song that they've been using lately, right? No, they did not. Which is an insanely smart move. Get that yes. crap out. That's like UFC face the pain level cringe. It, makes, it doesn't do anything to enhance their brand. They hit you with Paul's intensity, and then he opens the curtain, and we're live. And I love that they didn't do too much to change the arena. I love that from day one-ish when that broadcast started. And by the way, genius move to put out that Fatal 4-Way wrestling match, which had four women with unique character. It was a perfect car wreck. It mattered and played and bridged toward a title shot in two weeks. That it set the perfect tone of what they're about. Raw-ass wrestling. 
I loved this show. I didn't watch it, like you said, live, so I didn't see certain things. I didn't get an AEW commercial during the first uh, round of commercials, which, by the way, say what you will about Cody and them and, and Brandy wondering if you're all in. If that's Tony Khan and company, that's a brilliant move. That's a Vince-level move, Adam. To oh, pay. yeah, that, that was full Monday Night Wars. They both did it on each other's. What you do is you buy the local time because they're not going to sell you the national time. Uh, so no, I don't. you probably didn't get it ever, and I didn't. Well, I also being have in, YouTube Being in TV, South Florida, I didn't get it either. I get YouTube TV, which means I get some commercials, and then it goes into YouTube TV commercials. So it's it's like a little bit different how it works out. But uh, that's genius, but but even shelf that for a second. This was perfect. And, when I, and again, when I say perfect, didn't bash me over the head, didn't blow me up, wasn't a takeover, but it was way better than a typical NXT episode. And if they were looking to introduce what they're all about without beating you over the head with it, it's subtle brilliance. The grit, the feel, the darkness, the more Ronaldo going nuts, like everything was Perfect. I don't love Beth Phoenix in that role. I probably never will. You want to trace it to our history of Edge hanging up on us mid-podcast? <laughs> Maybe. Hanging up on you, man. I don't get hung up. Uh, but uh, outside of that, man, like, you know, Adam, it, it's what we talk about. They're about the damn stake. The lights are dimmed. They talk up the moves. Every single match felt like it really meant something. And it was all about the damn match. Said it before, I'll say it again. This is how I want my wrestling. And while watching this and see it get the push and feel it needed and writing the preview stories, which we did our own, you know, quoting superstars and basically, you know, getting the Gargano and Coles and, and Baszlers of the world to say, look, I don't want to go anywhere. We are. Yeah, tell them, Moose. Tell them. That's your dog. Is he, did he see Buddy Murphy? Is he, is he thinking sex, Adam? <laughs> I'm sorry about that. He sees a man... No, we'll this we're live, Adam. This is, this is live audio radio, all right? Here we go. It just said a lot of things, this broadcast. You know what this broadcast really said, Adam? It said that we can go back to how things used to be. So what does that mean? It means we can go back to where wrestling is wrestling. It's not sports entertainment. Wednesday night was pro-damn wrestling. It was about building to title shots. It was about the grittiness of the matches. That MMA guy, what's his name? Arturo Huas comes out. Badass yep. character. Him and Pete Dunne did a New Japan-style fake MMA match. It was everything that Brian Campbell wants in 2019. Does Brian Campbell believe it will eventually be what everybody wants? Yes. Because it's about the story and it's about the meat. But I actually like overall, Adam, that trips didn't go too nuts. We didn't have the world champion change. We didn't panic and do, you know, this or that. They just said, look, here's who we are. Here's what we are. And if you give us the time, we will change you. And Adam, I got so damn excited. Not necessarily for the real war which is not AEW versus NXT. It's NXT versus the main roster, guys. Get your heads together. That's the real war. NXT will eventually make Raw and SmackDown change because they're so good. I wasn't even thinking about that. You know what I was thinking about? I was thinking about the new State of Combat Red and Black spinoff podcast where all BC needs in life is this NXT every week and maybe AEW. Maybe if AEW decides the Wednesday Night Wars are going to be a real thing and we're going to go like Paul Heyman, ECW level, and every week we're just going to break glass and go for it. 
I don't even think I need to watch Raw and SmackDown anymore. I'm going to give SmackDown on Fox a chance to win me over and be big and cross over and do all the things we think they might. But NXT showed me by getting the chance to go full bloom live two hours in your face that they didn't need to change their beliefs and core values. They only seem to polish them up a little bit more. Adam, this feels like the wrestling I fell in love with. I think other people are going to get that feeling. It wasn't perfect. I'm going to talk about that main event storyline in a second and not love it, by the way. Spoiler alert. But as a feel of a show, I say this was a home run. You? Yeah, there was a lot of good. It was a it was a solo homer, you know, to center. They they stayed true to themselves, which was important, despite still finding a way to improve the overall look and quality of the product for USA Network, which was important because what you guys are going to have to remember is NXT right now is fine in that 400 person little studio, right? But when on a Wednesday nights they are going up against AEW, and the first few shows will be sold out, but eventually they won't. And they're, they have 4,000, 5,000, 3,000-seat arenas. The look and feel of those two head-to-head shows is going to be extremely different. So they gave us the NXT that we know and love and didn't do much more beyond that, maybe a little bit to their detriment. And the reason I say that is this. I don't want the, aid, uh, the NXT product to change. At the same time, they're not on the WWE network anymore. So when I say that, they're not only going after the viewers who are subscribing to the network and watching that product because they absolutely are infatuated with professional wrestling. They're also hitting people who are tuning in 30 minutes before Suits is on and just leave USA Network on while they're making dinner or all these other things. So what I thought NXT succeeded in doing is saying we are going to be sport focused. We are going to be the same product that's on the network. It's going to be awesome. The tagline is no BS and FTMF, which is basically follow that MFers. Um, and all that's great. But what they didn't do for debuting on USA Network live is tell any new viewers who these characters were. Basically zero. I mean, you got a little bit of Kushida. You definitely got Imperium, who we're not expecting to be there week to week. But in terms of the women's match, you didn't really get much. In terms of even Matt Riddle and uh, Killian Dane at the end, you didn't really get much. The only one where we really had some idea and development of characters was the Roderick Strong Undisputed Era situation with Velveteen Dream because they did the promo with Dream and they were able to talk about both of them throughout the entire match because it was 22 minutes. I mean, we got a 22-minute television match. That's all you really need to say that closes the show. Um, so again, I'm not trying to criticize. I, I mean, I am I want to stop but, you there at that, I'm being at that posi- point. I'm being positive, though. I'm simply saying... It was great. But, but I want to stop I you and say that something every to you that's all. about what you said right there. And that's a fair statement. But I actually think it comes across to me as a plus, not a negative. Why? Because we're going to have time to learn these characters, right? But what they didn't do in week one is shove the characters down your throat and pick out the one thing about the character that may be potentially marketable. Like if this was Vince, he would take Bobby Roode, make it all about the the theme song and the little hand dances to set up the theme song and the glorious chant. And guess what? You're the glorious guy now. You're not the badass heel with the mustache and the good body. You're You're that. WWE could have taken Kushida this week. And they could have said, he's the back to the future guy. And we could have had back in time jokes and we could have done all this stuff. But you know what they did with every single character? They made it about the fighter. 
And when you make it about the fighter, the fight becomes more important. So what happens is you're tuning in where when if you're if you're a lapsed or a non-wrestling fan and you're flipping through Raw and SmackDown and you stop for a second, you go, okay, what do you got in 2019 for me? You know what you're probably going to go after a minute? Oh, this is the fake BS I always knew. I think you're going to stop on NXT and go, wait, this looks different. It's dark in the background. And it kind of looks like they're fighting. And while watching that as your base, then when you see the plus athleticism that we have in 2019, you see that in 2019, if you've only ever watched matches in the 80s and 90s, they are telling a, a much better physical story. Maybe not in some of the subtleties of the storyline, but a physical story of chain wrestling and brilliant moves. I don't see how you're not going to change. And then what happens is the wrestlers with the unique personalities, the plus personalities, it's going to be like like frosting on the cake and sprinkles on the cake and icing on the cake. It's not going to be what we beat you over the head with. It's sort of, so the difference is what Ron Smackdown would do is have a themed Miz TV type segment. Of course. To bash you over the face. Instead, what NXT does is a subtle behind the scenes segment in Regal's office in the back lot crossing paths in the locker room that actually feels real. Okay. It's still fake wrestling, but it feels real compared to WWE. So them this week being the things that are most important are the three letters so that you know what you're watching. And the fact that wrestling is what matters. We don't even care if you buy our shirts in the end, even though we really do, but we're going to pretend we don't. And we only want you to care that fighting for this championship is the only thing that matters. Japan does it. And Paul Levesque does it. I say it was a plus this week, and that's part of why I was so pleasantly surprised that they didn't break glass and set off fireworks to try to hook people. So you're not wrong. Nothing you said is wrong. I'm simply saying that I would have liked one of those backstage interactions. I would have liked a little bit something leading into the women's match um, about what we are seeing as opposed to just, hey, NXT fans. Here's the match that we promised you right first thing on the show. They could have given us a two-minute intro to it to show new viewers who these people are and and why they're feuding and why this match is happening. It was just – it was like 90% perfect. There was that 10% of what a professional wrestling show should be, which you just mentioned, backstage in Regal's office, passing in the hallway, other different ways that you develop storylines and characters. They just didn't do any of it. And I, 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 again, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to clarify here. I'm not saying that means the show was bad or not great. I'm simply saying from a wrestling show, what I want is what NXT gives me. They didn't give us what even NXT on the network gives us, which is that mix of wrestling with a couple of the elements that you're talking about. They stuck to an almost completely pure wrestling show with the exception of that Imperium segment, really. And that one worked. That, that was good. Oh, hell yeah, um, it worked. I would have liked another one of those and or a couple match introductions where you're saying to the viewer at home, not to me, I know who I'm watching, but to Joe sitting on his couch, you're saying, hey, this is who Pete Dunne really is. You know, this guy who's called the bruiserweight. Why is he called that? Here's 30 seconds of highlight clips and then we'll get, we get into the match. So maybe they will do that in, for, in forthcoming weeks, maybe especially when NXT uh, goes head to head with AEW, they'll do that. But they kind of did it a little bit with Leo Rush, but they didn't. They didn't go to that next step of like, here's what this guy does. In his case, it was okay because he really is 
that athleticism in the ring. That tells you who he is, the mannerisms, the heelishness, the way he acts things out. They didn't need to do that with Oni Lorcan, but there are some guys on that show and girls I thought they needed to do that with that they really didn't. Maybe it was a timing issue. Maybe they just wanted to be so sport forward that they said, we'll get to that in the future. Sport but for forward. a new, but for a new WWE viewer who only watches Raw and SmackDown, and that's all they know in main roster pay-per-views, I don't know if outside of, wow, those guys are awesome athletes, you, you reached out to them. That's all I'm trying to say. So, that, so this is an interesting sort of, I don't want to say divide, but certainly debate and worth talking about. I, I talk about this a lot in MMA because I think there's reasons why people become a UFC fan, let's say, for example, okay? Some people, Adam, straight up just want blood and guts violence, right? And that's a sport that's going to give them the most bang for your buck. You can sit on a man's chest and pound him until he's unconscious and bloody, right? Other people come to that sport because boxing's not giving them what they want. Other people are fans of the craft of martial arts, whether they took jujitsu classes or they were you know, amateur wrestlers, whatever. And then you got somebody like me who was a pro wrestling fan and then this real fighting comes, and it's kind of promoted the same way as pro wrestling, meaning here's the two guys' stories, get into them, care about this. And that's sort of – I'm a pro wrestling MMA fan, meaning I watch MMA for some of the theatrics of getting me into, like, this guy has beef with this guy. I use that to set up what I'm saying about wrestling fans. Okay, yes, I do get a little too caught up that my way and my likes and my – the ways my ear hears Jimmy is the only way. And I'm telling you, this is the NXT and Japan are the best wrestling in the world. Why can't Vince get that? Why can't you get that? I do need to understand that people came into wrestling at different times for different reasons through different filters. My first love of wrestling was like 84, 85 WWF and mostly what was going on in Jim Crockett promotions, which, by the way, Jim Crockett promotions was kind of presented as a shoot. These are fighters. It just happens that one fighter talks better than the other and is cooler, so you like the cooler guy. Adam, I guess there are a lot of people, depending on the year that you first started watching wrestling, where you watch it because they're superheroes. And you actually don't even really care much about the wrestling or the fight for the title. You only care about, oh, this guy's so damn cool, he's mine. Or you started watching in the Attitude Era, and it's only for the trash talking. Like, if I, if my day one-ish wrestling was 96 WCW when every Nitro, the NWO would come out, grab the mic, and do an unscripted, like, rip job on whoever they're wrestling that week. Like, I'd probably be like, that's what gets me into it. So I, I get what you're saying, where NXT really is going after the meat lovers. They're really saying it's sport fo- That's a good way to say it. It is sport-focused, sport-centric, that this is a competition. So maybe that won't ring up everyone who's like, I'm into wrestling for the shit show. I want Vince McMahon looking at people's cans backstage, and I want, you know what I mean? And, and I want. Well, I'm not even saying that. I'm not, that's not, I'm not saying that you have to appeal to those people necessarily. All I'm saying is when you are on the network, having a core audience is fine because you're not being judged based on ratings and stuff. But when you go to USA and you don't just want to compete with AEW, but you want to compete with Raw and SmackDown to some degree, and you want USA to keep you on the air, past whatever agreement that you have with them, you need to add new fans. And the easiest way for them to add new fans is coming from Raw and SmackDown. That doesn't mean you need to water down your product or change what you do. But what it does mean is you need to introduce your characters and you need to introduce your storylines and what's happening with your show to these people who have never seen it before. That's the only way you're going to grow. That's the only way you're – from the beginning. Now, 
if you're an NXT fan and you're, or you're someone else and you just tune in three weeks from now and you start watching and maybe they are doing more of that, that's fine. But they very heavily promoted this show on, pay, on WWE Network pay-per-views, on USA Network. Not, I was watching Suits a couple weeks ago. They were promoting NXT during it. Um, so my point is for all those people that are like, oh, what's this NXT? I, I don't like WWE or maybe I do. Uh, I'm going to tune in and see what this is. They only gave them work rate. And I'm not saying that's bad. That's what I want. But for those people, if you want that rating to be, you know, 1.5 million instead of 900,000 or a million, those are the people you have to go get. Everyone that loves work rate wrestling already knows what NXT is. They're already watching it. You're not going to just find some random one of those people watching USA that's going to be like, oh, I've never heard of NXT. I'm going to go watch this now, right? But isn't it refreshing? You have to reach out to those other wrestling fans. Isn't it, is it refreshing to you? Because it is to me that Trips didn't try to reach out. Because to reach out to those fans, what do you have to do? You have to bring out a blonde with with big cleavage. No, no. All to... I'm talking about is is showing who your characters are. I'm not talking well, about they changing will, your product. Though. They, I know. I get. I do get what you're I saying. I understand that they will. I'm simply saying the only drawback, the the 10 drawback from this awesome show was that they didn't do that. That's all I'm trying to say. I love. I'm not hating on it. I loved it. It was great. The qu- the quotes I read from the uh, post fight Trips presser in which he said that, you know, Vince watched from afar and texted him a bunch of opinions and really loved it. I was blown away by that commercial you're talking about that basically says, if you want no BS, yeah, like it's calling WWE's Gaga bullshit. And yeah. Vince tweeted that video out. Now, look, we can argue that Vince doesn't even know what Twitter is. Okay, if you've seen the way he's worded those to my son Shane, happy birthday on this day tweets, you're like, yeah, right, brother. Well, listen, tri- Triple H tweeted during the conference call. So there's people running these yes. things, trust me. But with that said, Vince put that out to the world that, yeah, most of what we do here is Gaga-ish. But if you're more of a fight fan and you want something real, here, my son-in-law has done something nice. Well, well yeah. done, son-in-law. You have and, pleased and, us all. Thank you. And to be fair, I, I was on that call, and he did say everything that you said and, the, and what I said, which is they are going after us. They want us to feel like, hey, WWE proper day-to-day may not be for us anymore, but this is. So don't go to AEW. Don't go to New Japan. We have everything you need right here. So all I'm talking about is getting the trying to get some people who love the wrestling part of WWE and say, hey, we also have this product. Here's our stars. Here's why you need to watch. So I hope in future weeks they do that. DC, on this entire show, give me your – I know zero may be tough, but give me your biggest hero and your biggest zero from the debut of NXT. Great, great, great transition here. My biggest hero is Imperium's moment of walking out – cornering uh denzel I, I didn't know who the superstar was Do you know this guy is denzel he's a former i believe he's a former um either college football player or ncaa wrestler i'll look it up uh but the, i liked by the way his little one minute gimmick which was to come out and kind of like dance and do stuff so they presented themselves as so badass and it's not like i didn't know who they were i know that they were working on nxt uk i've seen memes i've seen little videos but this was really my first in your face look at them as a group and they said so little, but by saying so little, they said so much. And Adam, this is part of the message that I think Wednesday's show put over. This was not like 
We know what Vince does. Vince Vinceifies everything. This was so non-Vinceified. This was, we are a badass group of foreigners that almost look quasi-Nazi, and we're going to come out here and bring doom and look down upon you and beat your ass. Oh, and our main guy is a champion, and if you haven't seen him wrestle, he's old school and amazing, and when we do talk, we're going to talk about kicking your Like, everything about them was like, this is the, the mood. This is the mood I need in pro wrestling. I need the factions and groups to feel like actual gangs or actually like they actually can do harm like remember that they used to feel like as a kid when you'd go to a wrestling show or you'd watch on tv and somebody doesn't look like a colorful goon like demolition right they they were hard but they were vincified they were dressed in snm outfits and they were badass by the way let me not underscore 88 89 demolition how bad because they just stomped on people but they were mm-hmm. mcdonald's microwave vince version of bad guys there were some bad guys through the years that that felt like if I got too close to them standing in the crowd, like my parents may not be able to protect me. That's sort of the feel I got from this Imperium group. So if we can get more of that feel across NXT, again, I think when lapsed fans run into the show, Adam, that's the type of thing they're missing. And that's what will hook them. Now, my biggest zero on the show, and I want to give you a chance to talk me out of this feeling. But I didn't love the ending, okay? Did I love Riddle brawling with with Killian Dane outside? Yes. Did I love when Walter suddenly gets involved? Yes. From there, it looked too much to me like an aimless, show-me, Raw and SmackDown-type ending where the idea is, let's do two things. Let's put over that we're violent brawlers and this whole show, everyone's hungry to fight. I get that to a degree. But two, let's get as many people on as we can. It was aimless to me. And the fact that NXT does such a great job normally at presenting feuds and rivalries and instantly letting you know what they're fighting about and getting you to almost pick a side, I felt this was sort of like, like, where's the B team? Where's Hawkins and Ryder? Where's Fandango? How many, can we get some more, you know, where's Adam Rose and the, and the damn uh, clowns with him? Oh, there's no way, Jose. Um, what are we fighting for, guys? I, I, yeah. I thought that was a step down from what the entire episode had been. And look, again, it wasn't perfect across the board. There's still a couple players on NXT that aren't completely primetime players made for TV right now. But that ending, eh, it was a little eh. Yeah, no, that was my same zero. Um, It just ended the episode on a note for me that was, wow, I just went through a ton of great wrestling and I was really excited for this match and I didn't get it. And instead I got this random brawl with like, the Street Profits and Do- Do- Dominic Dijakovic is in there. And, and like, what are we fighting of, like, for? We're not, it's not like half of them are wearing Raw t-shirts and the other wearing SmackDown. We have to go, oh, I guess they really care about their brand. What are we fighting yeah, well, for? Yeah, well, Imperium attacked Riddle and then everyone was saving Riddle. And it, it just, it, it really didn't make any sense. Now, they did pay it off on social media. And this is the WWE issue sometimes where they do an angle on TV and you're like, oh, that's kind of eh. But then they pay it off on social media with something that makes sense. They paid it off on social media by saying next week on NXT, you're going to get Riddle Dane. I don't know if it's a no disqualification or whatever, but it's a number one contendership match. The winner faces Adam Cole on October 2nd when they go head to head with AEW. So that made sense. Had they done this at like the start of the nine o'clock hour on the show and had William Regal come out at 930 and announce that, boom, these guys can't be separated. We're going to do a cage match. These two winner gets Adam Cole, right? That works. But because they didn't do that and they just ended the show with this brawl, you're kind of left wondering like, 
okay, what the hell was that? They promoted this match. They said there's three big matches on NXT. The women's match for the number one women's contendership, the North American Championship match, and this one. And they didn't even give us this match, really. So that is just the, the typical wrestling company promising something and not delivering. Now, that said, my hero is the only Lorcan-Leo Rush match, and more so the return of Leo Rush. And that's not to say the strong dream match wasn't good. We will talk about that. But that this was unexpected. I didn't expect Leo Rush to return. He looked great. He somehow looked in an NXT ring like he grew through in three inches and gained 15 pounds. I don't know how that's possible. He wasn't doing moves like when he ran into the ropes. He wasn't doing them off the second rope. He was doing them off the third. Um, he looked like a completely like rejuvenated guy. He was great, and I was so happy that they put him over because you need fresh blood in that cruiserweight division. And him as champion is something I actually care about. No offense, Drew Gulak, you're great, but like catch wrestling without much of a gimmick only takes me so far, really. So that was a huge hero for me. The crowd gave him a great response. Uh, they treated him like a big deal, and Triple H really put him over big in the conference call afterwards. So Leo Rush hero, same zero as you. I won't put over and read Tommy Wrestling at Tommy underscore Takeover's full DM because uh, you just said the same thing, and he did start it off by saying, I'll try to keep it short so your boy SK doesn't accuse me of trying to be a tryhard. <laughs> but uh, he did end I like it by— Tom. I don't want to twist it. I like Tommy. He just writes a lot. Uh, he called Leo Rush the man of the hour. He said he killed it from bell to bell, and he said in a week in which we saw numerous returns, Leo Rush set himself apart as must-see yeah. moving forward. He's my field spot hero of the week. Hell, yeah. he might even be Maria's baby daddy. And quote, I did want to read you one other bonus DM slide here, because when Tristan Adelano, the face of your SOC Rushmore, decides I have, to, I have, a, I have a DM from him later in the show, but go decides ahead. If you to drop one in. If he does it twice, he's got it. He got, you can't yeah. deny him. Kentucky Long Rifle. What is that, an email? No, it's a DM, John. All right. Can I have your attention, please? No, no. Shut up, Mike. I've just received an email from the anonymous Raw General Manager. I'm glad that bit is over with. Um, from Tristan <laughs> at Anilano, at Atilano underscore Atiliano. Tristan. I think you're adding an extra A. I, I am. That's it's great. Go he says, my God, NXT Live this week was exactly what I wanted. We got three to four really good slash great matches. We got storyline advancement. We got surprises. And while I wanted a little more from the second hour's main event, ultimately I left happy. However, I did notice one thing that stood out and I wanted your take. The commercial breaks on the televised portions were noticeable to me in that NXT on the network doesn't usually have that. Am I picking at nits here, BC? Is this a minor issue that I will get over? Or is it understandable to want the whole damn match when the product is just so good? Adam, it's a good question for you. We understand why we need commercial breaks. How should they handle that with NXT moving forward? So Triple H actually addressed this on that conference call. Um, he said, look, just like with Raw and SmackDown, we do our best, but some breaks are unavoidable, both in terms of location and length. So there's only so much you can do in a wrestling show that is not wrestling. And there's only so many matches that you can have that are so short or so long with starts and stops to make it work around a commercial break. We just saw Raw and SmackDown go about, it was a month ago, maybe two months ago, where they did two out of three falls matches and stopped and restarted matches for stupid reasons and really made it obvious that they weren't trying to have wrestling during commercial breaks. Wrestling during commercial breaks is not the problem. It's when you have a seven-minute match and four minutes of it, it's a commercial break. If you have an 18-minute match 
and you have two two-minute commercial breaks, that's not a problem, especially if the fans aren't really – don't feel like they're missing anything when you go to break. You having a heart attack, Adam? You okay there? No, I had a, I had a cough, and I thought it was a good place to stop, and you could carry the conversation forward. Yeah, so I can. I can yeah. point, point being, um, I thought it was totally fine. I did notice it as well because it's not the network. But at the same time, I mean, when you're watching wrestling on TV – you're going to have matches with breaks, and then you're going to have some that are seven seconds and you don't have any. And I actually prefer they don't put the window up where you can watch it in a tiny screen live. Like, I like, I do like that, actually. I don't, because it's tough to watch, and I kind of want the break to check my phone or take a drop of deuce, whatever whatever has to happen, all right? What did you think about, since we didn't really talk about it, the title change? Uh, you know, Now we have Undisputed Era with all of the men's titles uh, in NXT proper. Roderick Strong becoming the North American champion, beating Velveteen Dream. Um, certainly I thought strong looked great in the match dream. I don't necessarily know that they played to his strengths. No, Is that they fair? didn't showcase him. And I'm wondering if they're going to set that up for him to chase it back and really give you what he's all about. Look, yeah, if there was a minor miss, it was not taking what might be your best asset on the entire show, which is Velveteen Dream and the fact that I feel like he could main event WrestleMania tomorrow. And as bold and ridiculous as that sounds, he could. Um, Yeah, they underplayed him. But what they did is they gave us a WWE main roster type ending with the interference, yet I liked it because it was well handled. And I think you really had to put over that the Undisputed Era is a bunch of four horsemen like jerks who will lie, cheat and steal to get there. And they just did it on episode one and they won a title that they didn't deserve. So this seems like they're setting the dream, who, by the way, could could be the best heel in the world to be sort of this baby face comeback. So we'll see. We'll see where it goes. I am with you on that, BC. Okay, plenty of show left before we get to it. You know what we have to do. A quick word from our friends and sponsors. All right, BC, we're back and we're not out of the main event yet because some other big stuff did happen this week, primarily. Brock Lesnar returned to WWE TV, as I expected, as apparently Jack also expected, and as you've been talking about for quite a while, to challenge Kofi Kingston to a WWE Championship match on the SmackDown debut on Fox, October 2nd. So here's the question, BC. We've been talking about how strong they have built Kofi Kingston over the last few months since he won the WWE title at WrestleMania. Have they done all of this? with a fan-favorite star, just to have him drop the title to Brock Lesnar. Yeah, they have. But I don't know if it was... I don't think it's their intention to to do it to crush him. And I've seen a lot of people on Twitter who are rightful big fans of what Kofi's win meant and represented that WrestleMania. And then even more, like, hey, BC, don't sleep on how great his title reign has been. And, and look, I've, I've me a couple of you. Even though I've admitted that I've predicted him and almost wanted him to lose every step of the way here... Good God, the guy's given us great matches against everybody. So here's the deal, though. I don't think it's necessarily as, like, negative events. Like, hey, fans, specifically, hey, African-American fans, we're going to build up Kofi, and I'm mean old white man Vince, and then we're going to crush him with this skinhead white guy, Brock Lesnar, with a dong tattoo on his chest. I wonder if, Adam, Brock Lesnar was their plan from day one. And I wonder what the length of Kofi's reign 
was for them originally in terms of planning. I wonder if the response at WrestleMania won them over more than they thought. I wonder if internal metrics on house show ticket sales and merch sales began to show them something. And maybe, and I don't, I, I don't do this because I don't read the damn rags, folks. All right. Do you want to know how Star Wars Episode Nine is going to end? No. Let's let's take Uncle Dave and others off of the God Throne, okay? You can read it how you want to. This guy's going clean sheets from this point forward, <laughs> unless I ever put 2018 SummerSlam back on the old network. So my point ultimately is, I think it just worked out for them that they're saying, okay, why would we dump the belt? At a certain point, they said, why are we going to dump it? We do need a patsy for Brock, and I know that sounds awful. But Kofi is one of the last remaining pure white meat baby faces. And yeah, it seems like they're going to bring the white bull in to slaughter him, unfortunately. And uh, it would be great if they had a swerve, if they had something to make this not what it seems. But it's friggin' Fox. You got Brock Lesnar. You kind of have to. You, you kind of have to do it. You, re- you yeah. do. It's not original. It's not great. But it kind of works, Adam. Well, the other key is you can't beat Brock three times in five months. Like you can't have him lose to Rollins twice and then lose to Kofi, who's not at, I wouldn't say as diminutive as Rollins, but he's super skinny. He's more like, diminutive. He lo- yeah, he is. He looks smaller, uh, whether height wise he is or is not. Um, the reason why I kept having Kofi in our prediction shows and you as well losing over the last few months, I always assumed he would then chase, win the title back. And drop it to Brock. So he'd be a two-time WWE champion who only really suffered one loss, but then would eat the pinfall from Brock and kind of move on, maybe go to Raw with New Day to get him away from Brock so you don't have to worry about re-challenging for the title, whatever the case might be. Um, But, uh, you know, I'm not going to get into predicting or any of that stuff, but this is something I saw happening for quite a while simply because of Brock Lesnar. Now, at the same time, I, I saw this happening before I realized that two days later is the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. And that's still happening. So it, it remains curious to me. This was always the, the stick, at least for the last month, of why I thought maybe this wouldn't happen. It remains curious to me what their plan is going forward with it. Are they not going to have a WWE title match at Hell in a Cell? That would make sense. Do they have a number one contendership match instead? Do they just not do anything and wait until the following Friday night on SmackDown when they're going to have the draft to kind of let things unfold and see what happens. I don't know. But to your point, Brian, you want this to be sport-focused, SmackDown, right? You you want this to be more real than Raw or than the WWE's product has been. You cannot have a Brock Lesnar-Kofi Kingston match, main event your show presumably, and not have Brock Lesnar walk out with the WWE Championship. There's just no way I see that happening unless there is a New Day interference or something major like that and they push it over to Hell in a Cell – but I can't imagine Fox would be happy if you promise a heavyweight championship match on your first show and then give a smash finish to go sell a pay-per-view. So and, and, I do think there will the, be a title change on well, the show. You nailed the most important part of that. It's the believability. Like, I'm still not over Seth winning twice without really outsmarting Lesnar. He just came up and straight up beat him. So here's the, here's where the well, deba- he outsmarted him in Mania. Here's yeah. where this Kofi debate goes in gray areas. I forgot the guy's name and I'm trying to find it. There's a one of our African American listeners who thinks I hate Kofi and thinks I, I assume that it's rooted in oh yeah, it's it's my guy J apostrophe N O A I. How would you pronounce that? Janoy? Janoy. 
at JN1973. JNI1973. Good guy. Always listens to our show. Always comes at me. Says, even as recently as a couple months ago, I'm not calling you a racist, but the problem is you've never seen anyone like Kofi hold the strap. We've seen a ton of mediocre white guys hold the belts for months. I love AJ, but his promos are only okay. My son loves Kofi, Mm. and I'm happy that he gets to see him. Blah, blah, blah. I never got to see Junkyard Dog or Tony Atlas with the strap. Uh, He's right. Those things are right. Here's my deal, though. This doesn't actually have anything to do with race. Kofi's just not that guy in my eyes, in my wrestling fan eyes. He's a tag team high flyer. Has he overachieved? Yes. Was that moment at WrestleMania? All friggin' time. Yes. I had near tears. The fuel spot was activated. The sirens were going off. Many great things were happening. But there's still a problem in my heart. That Bret Hart's not even that guy. That he's still the work rate guy from the Hart Foundation. And I know that sounds ridiculous because he did help usher in the era of middleweight-sized workers when Vince was going through the steroid issues and all that. And yes, Bret is an all-time great despite him hating us. But I'm telling you what I'm rooted in. Sometimes when you don't see a guy as anything but what you first see him as. Kofi, to me, is a tag team performer or at best a U.S. champion performer. Had this been Big E or had this been Bobby Lashley if he was much more charismatic, which he's not, and a better worker. Kofi Kingston is a far better heavyweight champion than Bobby Lashley. Exactly. So had this been Xavier Woods, had this been... You know, Ricochet, had this been whatever, I, the point isn't to name as many African-American guys as I can. The point <laughs> is, like Kofi's doing. not my world champion. The reign has been very good. The quality of wrestling has been great. The inspiration of children and of anyone, really, has been great. But it's not believable over time. It's barely believable against Randy Orton. It's friggin' not even close to believable against Brock Lesnar, unless his style is all about, like, speed and submissions or outsmarting him or something the high flying stuff's just not going to work so at the end of the day brock kind of has to crush him and it's not even about race even though it will look like it to some people and i feel bad that i get those messages from our boy uh Genoi, if i'm saying that wrong jay and why i don't want to bury his name here after i just uh, read his message but um it's not a race thing. It's just like, Kofi's not my dude. He's your dude, and I'll give you credit. You've been day one-ish on him, Adam. Mm-hmm. But when this reign ends, I'm not going to be like all kinds of mad and sad. Yet, remember when Big E was in the ring this week, and he was calling in Lesnar? He was motioning yeah. for him. Did you not yeah. get the feels like you need that feud? Big E is the dude, okay? Sorry, it well, is. Big E, for all, well, let's be clear. Big E has always been the dude, right? He is the next main eventer who is not there and hasn't sniffed it, really. So Biggie, that's something we've been waiting on for quite some time. But I'm I'm all in with Kofi Kingston, or I was all in with his run to WrestleMania. I mean, listen, I, I was talking about it, you know, months before it even seemed like a legitimate possibility, right? But even I, Brian, in the last few months have been saying it was all about the chase. It was about Kofi and the storyline being told that this guy who fans legitimately love never actually had the opportunity to be a heavyweight champion in WWE's eyes, more importantly, in Vince McMahon's eyes. And fans, and Kofi himself, willed that into existence. It happened in, not joking, top 10 all-time WrestleMania moment for me, maybe top five. It, it was that incredible, that emotional being there in the stands, seeing it live. 
And ever since, it's not as compelling of a story. He already won. Him defending the thing he already won isn't as exciting. Think back to New Japan Pro Wrestling, people that watch it. What was the exciting part? Kenny Omega chasing Kazuchika Okada, trying to beat the greatest New Japan wrestler of all time. After he won the title, did you really care anymore? I didn't. I said on this podcast, a few months later, I was like, Omega, since he's been champion, it's kind of been boring. And that's what Kofi's been, boring. And it's not his fault. It doesn't mean I like him any less. It doesn't mean I don't think WWE shouldn't have put the title on him. What I wanted to happen was for them to smartly take it off of him, give him the opportunity to get another chase, because the truth is, after he does lose the title to Lesnar, are they really going to put him back in this main event position again, give him a second WWE championship run? I probably don't think so, unless they really need to for a transitional reason or something else, right? So for me, you have him win it a second time. You make him a two-time WWE champion in this you know, five, six-month period of whatever it is, and then you eventually have him lose it to Lesnar. I don't mind him losing it to Lesnar. It's the right booking decision. Let Kofi go back to New Day. Let him start challenging for the Intercontinental Championship. There's a million things you can do with him. But BC, you nailed it at the end. Once he loses to Lesnar, let's say Lesnar takes him out, really injures him. You step up Big E to be that next main event challenger. That doesn't mean he has to win the title and beat Lesnar. But You allow him to challenge him and be this guy. Yes, Brian, I, I, I cut you off. This guy who could beat Lesnar, who takes him to the limit in the next pay-per-view match. That's what you do. That's how you build up Big E into a guy that transcends New Day like he should have been for the last couple of years. So if they book this correctly and properly, I think it's going to be great. I think what fans are most concerned about with Lesnar re-winning the title is A, not seeing him on TV. You will see him on TV. They're doing this because it's Fox. And B, Lesnar not dropping the title for another year or 18 months. I don't think that's going to be an issue either. The third thing I think people are really concerned about is WWE giving this title to Lesnar because guess who's on SmackDown? Roman Reigns and running Reigns-Lesnar 3, meaning WrestleMania 3, at WrestleMania 36 in Tampa. I don't think that's going to happen either. You could still do a triple threat with Seth, Roman, and Brock, and it would still be fantastic. You could. I don't think you're going to see a one-on-one match at Mania 36. I think WWE learned their lesson from that. So I think all of the reasons that people don't want this to happen are their concerns and pessimism about what happens going forward. And the Silver King, who you know hated Brock Lesnar as Universal Champion more than anyone, I don't have those pessimisms right now. And and look, I get there's other people that are just forget the race part of it or the Kofi's great part of it. How about just the we're sick of Vince pu- pushing Lesnar? But look, there's reasons for it. Real quick on on Biggie, then I want to make another Lesnar point. Is uh, if they started Biggie's so great on jokes and all that, but if they started letting him cut like Booker T like promos, I mean, God, he'd be just, freaking he'd be so damn over and in our face and damn. All right, back to Brock. We know he's white. We know he's jacked. I'm a white boy and I'm jacked. Deal with it. Um, he might be more than that, including according to some of our listeners. Adam, I'm not here to talk about your history with Bob Backlund at TalkBox or try to fix it. Are my friends with Bob Backlund at TalkBox? Yes, great wrestling fan. That's between the two of you. I'm out of it, all right? But Kentucky Long Rifle, Bob Backlund this week has an interesting question. Bouncing into your DMs like Adam Rose's bunny, BC, unwarranted attacks from the Hedge King aside, my I want to clarify. I want to clarify something. I did not attack him last week. I I was praising Black Saber Junior. You mentioned Bob Ackland. 
I did not mention his name. I did not bring him up. I am a Black Saber Jr. fan. He DMs me, or not DMs, he tweets me all the time. Great questions, great conversation. That's all I did. Maybe Move Bob on. Backlund's getting a little soft. Maybe he, maybe he's going to block you on Twitter now. Block? <laughs> great. I can't see it anyway. All right. He says, my question for you both, and Jack, too, if he's there. Jack Crosby, our brother in this, in this journey. Does Brock Lesnar qualify for pro wrestling Mount Rushmore? Think of the resume, the accomplishments, the drawing power, all the different incarnations. He whooped Cena. He ostensibly retired Taker. He owned Roman. He threw Zach Gowan down a staircase. Flair, Hogan, Austin, and Lesnar. Your thoughts? And yes, that's an asterisk next to Hogan's name. P.S. You carve another face on the SOC Mount Rushmore. You don't remove one and replace it. Signed, your resident SOC Mount Rushmore gobbledygooker, Bob Backlund. Adam... I like what he's asking here. He's ultimately asking if Lesnar deserves it, but he's first asking, would he qualify given that if you actually add up the amount of months and years he's been wrestling, it really hasn't been forever. Well, maybe, I mean, he does qualify. Absolutely. He's been wrestling far long enough. I mean, he's also an IWGP heavyweight champion and he's legitimate. He's a UFC heavyweight champion. All right. Then we got that out of the way. Yeah, he, he's completely legit. Um, the accomplishments are there, but when you still take them head-to-head with, like, Shawn Michaels or Taker himself, um, it, it, you can find holes in the argument. You can say that this guy did not perform as frequently as those guys, right? And Mount Rushmore, it also depends. Are you talking about kayfabe or are you talking about us breaking it down? Breaking it down, package, he's not even close. Drawing, talking, working, winning, yeah. all that. If you're talking about kayfabe, I mean, maybe, but, you know, realize that they use Lesnar to draw because they don't have Cena anymore. And Lesnar's nowhere near the draw John Cena is. And that's in this era where, like, they need guys like that. I don't know. Uh, he's not a Mount Rushmore to me in kayfabe or non, but I do think he has a resume that qualifies him to be in the conversation. So if regarding- somebody you respected told you that their Rushmore was exactly what Bob just said, Flair, Hogan, Austin, and Lesnar – you wouldn't argue with them. You'd be like, okay, that's your opinion. That's cool. I would argue with them because I'm argumentative, but I would respect that that placement if they could back it up. I mean, look, King of the Ring, Royal Rumble winner, multi-time champion, you know, IWGP champion, um, retired a bunch of dudes, beat uh, Undertaker at WrestleMania for the first time. He has that resume. It's just it wouldn't get there for me, kayfabe or non-kayfabe. And the way Mount Rushmore's work, especially ours, just so you know, we, we put these terms out there before we named it, four per year. That's how it goes. Four per year. Yeah. Every WrestleMania season, right? We revote. That is, That's so we it's talk. like a Hall of Fame in some ways, right? No, no, like four at, at, four at any given time. I, I wonder. I, I wonder. Just to, you know, We always remove the fourth wall and share it with the fans. Should it be a Hall of Fame where every WrestleMania we get four more in? Or should it be a, hey, you used to be, and then you lost your touch. And guess yeah, what? We, we got Saber- to keep, keep the competition going. That is true. That I is. need good DMs. Tristan keeps it going, man. There's... Tristan you know, makes signs that maybe don't. He never, he never stole our internal organs. He's a, yeah, he's a good dude there from the Pacific Northwest. I mean, look, I'll be honest. The I'm a Silver King guy, sign guy. I I don't ever remember him even tweeting us before. This guy goes brings a sign of me to a, a pay per view, you know, straight into the hard camera. I respect that. That's not Mount Rushmore quality, but I mean, it's you know, that's that's a big move. By the way, DMs happening as we speak. 
at WWE Julian One, who goes by the name We Are NXT. He's like, um, hey guys, did you watch NXT? We need an NXT podcast. Bro, what do you think we're recording right now? All right. <laughs> but I think what he's really saying is we need a weekly NXT pod. Well, that might be the Red and Black spinoff well, let's see. show. Let's see what NXT and does Backlund in terms of takeovers. Well, you know, if Bob Backlund ever reaches out to you again to offer to to squash the beef over a cold one, will you no sell him a second time? I don't know. I didn't know sell him. I was willing to do it at WrestleMania. All right. I can vouch that he won't take your organ from there. You, though, I don't you know had me. You had me carrying a 75 pound backpack around the city. And I didn't feel like, you know, at nine o'clock at night on my one night off meeting him for a beer. But I mean, that's another thing. All right. All right. You saw that. You saw that heavy lifting I was doing in New York. Come on. Um, we're not out of the main event yet, BC. Are, are we done talking about Lesnar and uh, Kingston? Um, yeah, we are. We are. Okay. So last part here of the main event, WWE confirmed what you and I hoped for, you know, candidly, a WWE draft, a real draft, not a superstar shakeup, real draft, real rules, sports like starting Friday, October 11th on SmackDown on Fox. That's the second episode, separate rosters, no wildcard rule at this time. It does not appear that NXT is included, meaning they won't be part of the draft situation, though certainly I'm sure NXT people could get drafted or at the end of things, the rosters could be so built in such a way that WWE sends people to NXT as Triple H has been talking about. So you know this for me is a massive hero. The WWE draft, when they did it in 2016 and when they did it previously during the first brand split, are some of my favorite things that WWE has done. Are you with me? Are you fully involved in this? Are you happy to see the wild card rule gone? Do you think the brand split is the right thing for WWE to do? Yes and no. If they're going to do it, they got to go all in. Everyone's got to stay on their own show. And that's the way it's got to be because it's because there is this internal NBC Universal versus Fox potential rivalry, which says if one show's outshining the other so badly in terms of ratings and critical response, then it's like, oh, what do we do? Do we trade back? What do we do? Um, as long as it's and I, you know, it's always the same take. As long as it's as pro sports feel as possible, you know, like interviews, announce, you know, draft announcements, uh, make it feel real. Then yes, I will be all in on it. I do think they need to be separate to make to really make that all work. Or what you end up doing is you make one show not matter as much, or it's easier to mail in a show. And let's be honest, the the brand split starting in 2016, specifically for that first like year and a half. I mean, it really worked, Adam. Do you remember how good those SmackDown pay per views were? Like the first Incredible. year of that. I mean, it you know it really went like two full years of being of being really really strong and kind of rejuvenated the whole WWE creative process where. Like, like, seriously, like being fully candid, 2013, 2014, 2015, not the best main roster years ever. The consistency wasn't great. And SmackDown, as we know, at that point was such a mail and throwaway show. Like once in a while, they'd, they'd move the U.S. title on there just to give you a reason to watch it on tape delay. But, you know, it was nothing. It was garbage. So, yeah, this is good. All together, this is good. Um, I got a lot of DMs that I won't read about people saying that the Fiend shouldn't be drafted and he should be allowed to sort of roam and, and attack because in kayfabe, he's sort of a contrarian anti-monster, which, you know, some people have issues with him getting a title shot because of that. But uh, let's see what they do. Fox, it's your chance, man. And I know NBC is going to have it, too. But this is Fox's chance to really infuse that real pro sports feel. Let's see where they go with this. And I really hope that FS1 show that we know is starting the same week. What do we hear that? Renee Young and... Uh, Renee Young and the second host is it, it's different Kelly. reports, either Booker T or Kathy Kelly. Um, I've said this from day one about that show and really about Fox's shoulder programming. 
Um, and I don't mean show. Like if you have John Cena, which they are hosting a best of WrestleMania or a best of SmackDown show. Okay, that is what it is. But every other show, it's got to have an element of real to it, and it's got to be legitimate criticism and debate about the product and the storylines. So it makes me a little nervous that it's WWE talent just sliding over and hosting it. Who is there going to be some moral compass of a backbone? And no, I do not expect them to have Johnny Podcaster or your boy BC on there where you get full reign to be like Vince McMahon has lost it or <laughs> NXT's 10 times better than SmackDown. No, they don't want to put those messages out there. But I do think whether you're using retired WWE guys or noted Peter Rosenberg type fringe guys who are half journalists, half that, um, you got to have somebody on there who's going to like debate it. Like it's a critical show and we need to be critical about it. And if there's zero element of that on this show and the show is instead just like, come learn about Randy Orton's private life. Here's his wife and she's great. And here's a sit down interview about the legend at this point in his career. You're going to tire of that taste quick. Yeah. I don't know that it would be the latter of what you're talking about. I do believe they will have some of that realism. I don't know that it'll, it'll be bring it to the table type you know, like WWE Network when they tried that PTI-esque show. Um, I do trust it will be quality whenever – let's not forget, you have Renee Young hosting. That doesn't mean that she can't host something that WWE makes bad, right? But we've seen what she can do with Talking Smack. Uh, we like Kathy Kelly if it is her. We like Booker T shooting straight both on his own radio show and on WWE. Even when he does the kickoff shows, he does a very good job of kind of – threading that needle between, yeah, I'm a, I'm a superstar and I'm doing storyline, but at the same time, I'm telling you what I really think as if these people were real. So, But he's still I, working. Even though he's great, he's still working. And I just want to counter you on one thing. Did you like about Bring It to the Table and the different incarnations that whether it was Paul Heyman, Corey Graves, or JBL in that, in that company man role, that they you at least had the thought in your head that they might shoot. They might go a little off script. They might just tell they, you what they feel. They cave, they they work shooted many things. I don't know if Booker T has the chops to work. Well, I guess he does because he worked shot us on that uh, Starbucks fight with Corey Graves and everyone bought it on it. So, yeah, maybe he can. Maybe it's perfect. But I don't know that it needs to even be work shoot. It just needs to be like actual analysis, basically. Yes. Even if it's even if it's all in kayfabe, it should be, you know, actually talking about these guys and, and girls and the matches that are coming up, whether it makes sense. Why did they book this? Shouldn't this person have gotten an opportunity like Ali, right? Ali just right now is getting back into this feud with Nakamura. He beat Nakamura clean. He was headed for an Intercontinental Championship shot. Why did he have to wait for The Miz, who's a Raw guy, to get that title shot? So talking about just that, yeah, like a piece of storytelling that doesn't make total sense. Can't Renee work. Young and Kathy Kelly do talk about it like it's a work? Yeah, well, look, when, when Renee was hosting Talking Smack, she presented the topics in a work style, but the people that were answering kind of threaded that needle and then she would answer back in kind. So I think if they go with that kind of show, look, if they just give us talking smack on FS1, I'm happy. Okay. That they would never work. should have canceled that show. We know because the entertainment's so high and it's a little shooty, but I guess what I'm saying is if, if 10 seconds into the show, you know, it's, they're not presenting it as a work, right? Like then I'm going to, I'm going to be iffy. I'm going to be real iffy. And I know there's a way that they can, yeah, I, get, I mean, because WWE Network is presented as a shoot, if you really think about it, right? They're giving you behind-the-scenes interviews. They're showing you the 24 Chronicle of the real person's life. So, Well, it's a, it's a work shoot, though. It is Even a work the shoot, Sasha yeah. Chronicle, I don't know if you got to see it I didn't yet. Get to see, I heard a lot of talk about it. 
they they talk about a lot of like like the report that she was on the floor crying after losing the title. Like they mention it, but at the same time, she's like, of course that's not true, whatever. But maybe she was crying backstage, but not on the floor. Like so so they do talk like even the Dean Ambrose one, which I know you did see. A lot of that was very shoot esque, but it was also all building up his character and his return. Yeah. You know, if they had run that like right before he left, you would have said, "Oh wow, that makes a lot of sense." You know what I mean? But they didn't anticipate it going that direction. I um, guess I so, just so, wanted non WWE employees or pseudo WWE employees so that I could have the feeling that it could be refreshing and real. But they're I, not trying to aim see, for that. I think you will see Fox Sports employees and and athletes. On that show, I think you will see athletes like a like a Kittle, um, who's a San Francisco 49ers tight end, who's a massive wrestling fan. I think you will see people like that on that show. People to talk wrestling that are not only WWE employees and wrestlers. All right. I mean, it's probably going to end up being like WWE magazine. Here's our you know feature for this week. It's telling you how good this guy is. You know, in the community, he's a nice guy too. And I, but the, what I ultimately want is podcast talk and maybe there or do you want no or do you want Vic Venom in there is that what you want yeah yeah no no bro I don't need I don't need that guy <laughs> all right yeah where, where are we let's get out of here where are we yeah, uh, we're out the of the main right event now. BC and headed into hero or zero <laughs> All right, BC, we're going to start off with something you mentioned in the main event. The Fiend, who took over Raw, took out Kane. That's got to be, be Kane! That's got to be Kane! Took out Kane and set a hell in a cell match with Seth Rollins for the Universal Championship. There is a lot to unpack here. So the question is going to be overall, BC, the Fiend on Raw the most extended that we have seen him, hero or zero, the breakdown, the elements as well. And obviously I will do the same on the back end. Ultimately a, a hero and a huge hero because the the Fiend is kind of undefeated right now in terms of winning us over, you know, dominating that character, presenting new layers to it. I had some fears that it would be a little bit of overkill to see the, the constant interspersing of the firefly funhouse but uh in the end it won it got me and obviously to see him come out at the end and really just destroy kane it's another notch on the belt it's another framed photo that he can put up there on top it's it's another sort of home run in the end for the fiend so fiend wise great did I love Kane needing to be used to get there? No. And that's some more of my bias because it wasn't the worst ever version of Kane. Opposite our truth, it was pretty funny. It was pretty well handled. He even got a little run with the 24-7 title. But I don't want to see him uh, go over the damn OC there. Like, uh, is this the same calendar year that he was involved in a triple threat match for a title on a WWE pay-per-view? Or was that the year before? That was the year I before. believe that was 2018. <sighs> It's, I don't need Kane, but uh, yes, to, it, they got me with that. And to have the damn fiend in the end, it's a monster hero. I listen, I know you don't like Kane on our TV on raw in 2019. You've, we've said this many times. I had zero issue with Kane. I thought it was pretty brilliant that they show him as 
you know, Glenn Jacobs, the Knox County mayor and all those segments with our truth makes you think, hey, I know they're in Knoxville. They got that out of the way. Right. Then you see Rollins getting beaten down. And it's this weird five person group with the OC and then Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler, which they all keep helping each other, but they're not together. And why are Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler attacking Seth Rollins? It really doesn't make sense. And why does the OC still hate Seth Rollins when they're not feuding, right? They have other things to do. So that whole thing just didn't make a lot of sense to me. But outside of that, using Kane to knock those guys out of the ring, it was just one punch. He didn't go over them very strong. Uh, And AJ is so strong that you can really do anything to him at this point. It doesn't really matter. But to knock all those guys out of the ring and have Kane raise his arms like you're going to get pyro, and then have the damn fiend come up, and Kane perfectly acted it, because Kane is usually that guy. He's usually the guy that's behind the person, that surprises them, that attacks them. So when the lights started doing the thing, and the fiend gets into the ring, rather than be the guy who like turns around and surprise, Kane slowly turned his head like, I know what's here. Because he does that, that's his character. And the Fiend still gets completely over on him. So I thought it was brilliant with Kane and the Fiend. I love that they were able to take out Kane and not Rollins consecutive nights because it just happened on the Hell in a Cell. I mean, on the um, Clash of Champions pay-per-view. I loved the Fiend crawling over Rollins, huffing and puffing in his face. And if you had headphones on and were watching that, Rollins was whimpering, which was some of the best acting he has done in WWE. Pause. I'm now going to the first half of the show. I thought that was brilliant, the back and forth with the Funhouse and Seth and the characters talking to Seth, not just Bray. That was great. Okay, back to the end of the show. I absolutely freaking loved how they ended Raw with the Firefly Funhouse theme and the crazy graphics and the, and the, the audio changes. And it wasn't like 10 seconds. That was a good 30 to 45 seconds of that. And you're just like, when's this going to end? What are they going to do next with this? Brian, this Fiend thing... It's the biggest hero for me in WWE, probably since Kingston winning the title at WrestleMania. And it's overall as a storyline and a character developing situation, the best thing they have done in in years. I honestly have never seen anything like this, even the broken universe. This far exceeds that, What even the TNA version. This is far better than that. Um, I don't know if this is all Bray or if there's one particular writer with him behind it, but kudos to WWE for letting this happen letting this main event a damn pay-per-view and allowing it to encompass your entire show. Absolute monster, Grand Slam hero to me. I want to see it go further. I want to see him become such a menace to... Because he's going to be seen as a babyface, even though he's an obvious heel, right? But he's going to get the babyface love and cheers for so many reasons. I'd like to see him be a menace to Vince McMahon, the authority, and the the producers and directors of raw. Like I want to see him take over the broad, like when his firefly Funhouse thing comes on, it takes over the broadcast. They're like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. We didn't expect this. Like what's going on. And he can send his own messages to people that way. And he can do different things. And I want it to be, that's why I keep doing this Wyatt family 2.0 thing. Not that I don't think him alone is so brilliant. And it is. And I get why people are like, dude, why would you go back to the Wyatt family? Why would you want Harper and all these other guys back with him when they just water him down? Because, the core of what made the break Wyatt character great and scary and brilliant was the cult aspect. The fact that he could seduce you into following him and 
I'd love to bring that back where I don't know if he needs to mandible claw you to get you to, to, to change or just or brainwash you or whatever. But there are people that he could straight up draft into his army where like they become his. And maybe it's when he shakes up the broadcast and then suddenly people snap. I don't know what how far you want to go with it, but there's a lot of creative potential kind of using things we've seen before where he has almost too much power and it's going to take someone you know, big time, like a Roman Reigns or someone like that to finally beat him and take it away from him. I mean, it's kind of like where they really friggin' butchered the Randy Orton storyline with him because Orton burning down the prayer shack could have been the perfect ending. Like, how do you finally beat Bray? You burn down Sister Abigail and his source. Like, that should have been the final straw with Roman Reigns out there doing that or whoever you pick for your conquering hero. But I, I think that there's a bigger thing. It's even big. It could be even bigger, even bigger than him being world champion. Like he has a chance to be a phenom. And I don't mean taker, but that's an interesting comparison, but a phenom, like a crossover, like this is the peak of his powers. And I think you have to do more and give him even more power to do that. The timing is also fantastic with Halloween coming up. Like it's, it's going to be a big deal this Halloween season. It's going to get notoriety because a lot of people are going to buy that mask. Um, I do think I know where it's headed, though. I think we are headed to what I said on the on the Clash of Champions instant analysis, WrestleMania 36, the Fiend versus the Demon for the Universal Championship. I think he's going to take the title from really Rollins. Whether build it's Balor up though between now and then, and build them up as a well, they have to bring them back, and, and there's a lot level, of things. Damn, they may they may game. hold Balor out until you know the Royal Rumble, which How is only a couple Prince more months. And... Against the Fiend, can we do that instead? What? Who? Know. I'm sorry, Prince Devitt against the Fiend. No, we're not going to do Prince Devitt. I mean, the demon is the demon's the move. Cheesy ass demon. Look at the look at how cool the fiend is. How can you say it's cheap, Brian? How like I know you don't love the way they've done it on the main roster, but the demon in NXT was fantastic. Yeah, it was. It was. And if they go back to any only realism and takeovers, and it was great. If they bring if they go back to that realism and have Balor come back and kind of work his way up as Balor, and then get into this thing with Bray again, and then have to bring out the demon right before WrestleMania. That's the way to do it, and I think it would work and be a insane home run because that is a match people would pay to see. If the, especially if the Fiend is the champion this entire time, that's a great story to tell. I'll tell so you real quick that, why it worked in NXT and it doesn't work now. Go ahead. Well, one Vince, but two. Here's why Vince doesn't it's make it work. Primarily Vince. Yeah. Even in NXT, I just mentioned that he would only bring it out for the really big matches. Right. It was still a wrestler who puts on this paint almost like a war cry. I had a war to get himself so psyched up for battle that he transforms mentally into this thing. But he has no superpowers. He's not even necessarily a devil worshiper. He's an athlete. He's a fighter. This is just the eccentric part of him that he puts on to come out and win these matches. But WWE ruins it. And I, I, I need to tread a thin line here, okay? Because I do think there's room in WWE for Supernatural. There's room for a Bray Wyatt. There's room for a Papa Shango even. For somebody who's can sort of do something extra. I just don't think you needed it or it works with Bray Wyatt. When he's staring into the camera and his eyes are changing colors and we're like... You mean Balor, yeah. Balor, Balor. he's... Who did I say? Wyatt. Oh, sorry. Balor, completely. And he's channeling inner dark spirit. Like, that's not him, dude. If you just want to say... He's big match John when it's pay-per-view time and he's going to put on the damn demon and it gets him focused. That's fine. But it, it's counter to who he is, who he is as a wrestler, who he is as a character. It just don't work. So that's what it is. They deviated the real Finn Balor 
so much from what the demon character is. Like the demon and the real Finn Balor in NXT were much closer together. They were both real legit great wrestlers, but one was him taking himself to a different level. In WWE, they made the regular Finn Balor this extraordinary guy who smiles and pops his collar and does all this stuff. So then when the demon comes out, it's so counter to that that it seems like why? how is this guy these two things? And you're right. It's not that they just bring it out for the match, which is cool. It's what they did at SummerSlam against Baron Corbin that worked because it was like, oh, my God, we got the demon. They didn't tell us it was coming. Instead, what they're doing is they have him cut these promos and do the stuff with the the changing face backstage that makes it look even more supernatural when it doesn't need to be. Yeah, he doesn't need right. to be supernatural. And, and don't waste it. Don't bring it out against Baron Corbin. Use it when he feels like the only way I'm going. Actually, use it as a crutch because he is kind of small. Like if he's standing next to Brock Lesnar, he's going to be small. So use right. it as a, you know what? The only way I'm going to beat this guy I'm the guy from Teen Wolf. It's to go back and bring back the beast. I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, you use it against a Samoa Joe, a Nakamura, a Lesnar. Yes. A, a Bray Wyatt, a, the fiend, someone like this. That's exactly how you use hey, it. Hey, shout so, out. I'm not going to read his DM because you nailed all the points on Kane, but shout out to at Ben Passer. He's become, trying to become part of our family. He's DMing me all the time. I guess he's a lawyer in real life. We have legitimate people who listen to the show. It's not just our dude from South strange. Florida. What's his name, Dave? Oh, Arnberg. Dave yeah. Arnberg. By the way, I, I, I got to pu- publicly make a couple here. Dave Ehrenberg. The last time I was in Fort Lauderdale and we recorded together in person, Dave wanted to take us out for beers, and I no-sold his DM and forgot about it and never got back to it. Just so, DM me. I live here. So Shout out to Dave on that. A great listener. Shout out to this guy, Ben Passer. He got he loved it. He fell into Kane the same way you did, Adam, and he loves everything about it. It, it, was, just the right, it was just the right usage at the right time. I don't need Kane 364 days a year, but that one day it was fine. All right. That's cool. That's cool. Hero or Zero number two, Adam. Baron Corbin defeats Chad Gable in a real long-ass match to win King of the Ring, attacks him on SmackDown, all short jokes all day. Gable gets him back, spears him through the damn uh, chair, and uh, Hero or Zero on all things KOTR over the last 48 hours. So it's a total hero. Um, I'm going to stick with what I said last week on the show. I said Either guy who wins, it's a hero because they did a good job telling the story leading into the match. They have Corbin, who has massively improved in the ring and looks really good with his new look. It's not that different, but just losing the TGI Friday's vest is an improvement. But they have, they've rebuilt Baron Corbin in a good way, and they've made something out of Chad Gable who, for lack of a better term, they had buried on the roster, not really putting him on TV. So would I have liked Corbin to win? I mean, uh, Gable to win? Yes. When he had the ankle lock cinched in and and he had his legs wrapped around Corbin's leg. The crowd was going insane. You let him win. You let Corbin attack him. Then you, then you continue it on SmackDown the way they did. Um, But I also have no problem with Corbin winning because a heel King of the ring is always better. They also did a really good job destroying the robe and the crown and all that. So Corbin now doesn't, he may call himself King Corbin, but he doesn't have to walk around with the gimmick, which ruins guys. So everything they're doing They're kind of doing right. You may not like Corbin. You may not like that he won. I really like Baron Corbin. I think he's one of the few true heels that actually draws heat in WWE. He's really good in the ring with a unique moveset. That match with Gable was fantastic on Raw. The fact that they had that match on Raw was crazy. And they did what they are not doing with Cedric Alexander. They let Gable come back over top of him the following night and, as you said, spear him through that chair. So it's a hero for Chad Cor- uh, for um, Baron Corbin. It's a hero for Chad Gable. And ultimately, despite things I didn't like occasionally, a hero for King of the Ring. I got to give it a slight zero. Was the match good? Yeah. 
Was the segment on Tuesday good? Yeah, it was fine. It was good. The reason why it's a slight zero is it's not that I hate Baron Corbin. Like, yeah, he's he's figuring out who he is. He's pretty damn good. He doesn't need this King of the Ring. He's already reached the level of what he is, which is this grating, annoying heel who's meant to troll you. He's already there being the fake GM for a while. What's this going to give him now? Nothing. He's already that guy. This was an opportunity where somebody like Gable, and didn't have to be Gable, but somebody like Gable really could have benefited from it. And the reason why ultimately it's a zero to me is, what the hell did Gable win by attacking him on Tuesday? You can't chase anything now. You can't defeat Baron Corbin and then take the crown and start wearing it. This is an endless chase. And now you know what this is? A Chad Cable-Baron Corbin feud that I don't really care about. Like, that match was good. That match was probably the best of what they can do together. Gable can't win. so. Okay, he's mad at them. Big deal. Well, I ultimately think they probably have Gable win and then Corbin win back again, something like that, the fifty-fifty style. But, you, but, but no, it doesn't. It's for it's worthless. It's for nothing. It's he's they're making for fans. They're they're getting him on TV and making fans care about a guy who has not been on TV, who we badly want on TV. And if that brings Gable to a level where he starts, let's say they draft him to Raw and he starts challenging for the U.S. Championship, and we get Styles Gable and Gable. Like, there's a lot of things that can happen with Chad Gable going from here where I think this was fine. You're right, though. You generally want to put King on the ring, King of the ring, on someone who really needs it to help enhance and improve their character and take them to a new level. But if you're not going to do that, to have them rehab Baron Corbin the way they have, I think a lot of people don't realize Vince McMahon probably sees Baron Corbin as a main eventer, a main event heel, not necessarily someone who's going to be a title holder for a period of time, but it would not surprise me if he's a universal or WWE champion at some point over the next two years. So if they believe in him to that level, they wanted to give him something to actually sink his teeth into versus the massively failed three month storyline with Seth Rollins where people gave him X-Pac heat. Now he's getting real heat. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah. But the zero for me is more about Gable's use than Corbin's and real quick. You know, at Daniel Greer from Memphis, Tennessee, he's a very sounds sounds familiar. Oh, yes. he's a, he's a long time, long time, not a first time. He says, "Can we push for Gable to be on NXT? He'd fit in so much better due to his size and allow he him would. to grow as a talker. Plus, he can look good against the undisputed era. AEW is in trouble." That's how he ends his DMs. I would love to see Gable Roderick Strong North American Championship. That'd be great. Imagine them as a tag team. Not that I th- not that I want to like push Roddy into like Roddy could be a singles guy, but they're giving us. I want to clarify. They're giving us very heavy Kurt Angle vibes with Chad Gable. Like talking about his amateur resume, talking about the Olympics, allowing him to cut a promo the way he did in the ring. Let's not forget also. Like people hate that all the short jokes about Chad Gable, but let's not forget Kurt Angle despite being very serious and a legitimate guy, maybe no one in WWE for a period of time was in more like comedy base level storylines than Kurt Angle was. He made fun of himself all the time. And you may not want that from WWE today with someone like Chad Gable because you don't think it takes him seriously. But because Angle was willing to do all of those yeah, things, was a different era. Vince trusted him completely. That was, that was the end of the attitude era. Totally different. Dude, he was he wore that little cowboy hat. I know, he, but that was on. the attitude era where like that kind of stuff was great and it worked. And They're, that was well, okay, Brian, it, that was the attitude era, sure. And this may not be then. This is you know twenty years later. But you can't tell me, and we're gonna move on to the third part of here or zero here. There's not some attitude era esque things happening in WWE right now. The Street Profits on Monday night hosted a gender reveal party from Maria Canales' baby. And Brian, you're going to get a Hero Zero question here. But before I do that, I got kind of break down what happened. So they hosted the party. Maria Canales 
announces she's having a boy. She then says Ricochet is the father of her baby. Ricochet obviously denies this because he didn't. Um, and then he says, not that I wouldn't, you know, to kind of give that little attitude era feel of, yeah, Maria is sexy, even though she's pregnant right now. Titus then goes like full, like, I don't know, like uncle at the, at the, at the bar- backyard barbecue and like tries to slap him upside the head. Like, boy, what you doing out there? Right. Um, then Ricochet basically gets challenged by Mike Kanellis. They go fight. Angelo Dawkins mentioned something. He thought he would be the father. Then Montez Ford says something about like, yeah, Maria does get on that pole, which is another like really, that was almost that a rated R reference. Yeah, that was a, that's my feel spot moment of the week. I popped okay. massive for that. So they, they have a match. Ricochet beats Canellas with the recoil in like five seconds, which isn't even his finisher, by the way. Maria then comes back out, says, you're not a man. I'm going to tell you who the father really is. And then Rusev, porn mustachioed Rusev returns to WWE. Um, Mike Canellas basically is like, hey, uh, I don't want to fight you because you're going to kill me. Then Corey Graves calls him a cuck on the air. <laughs> and who knows what's happening with Lana? Um, and then Mike Canellas just kind of says, you know what? Yeah, I'm not the father and uh, whatever, and leaves. So, Brian, hero is zero. <laughs> Uh, overall a hero, some parts of that, a massive hero Dude, the street profits are so great in this role that it's ridiculous. This had Paul Heyman all over it. This had some Vince elements to it. It was all nineties attitude era. It ruled. I love the storyline idea of Maria continuing this sort of abuse to her husband to try to motivate him. The problem I have with it is really how it ended. Like I know Mike Kanellis will not be. Uh, competing for an intercontinental title tomorrow. All right. I get who he is on this roster, but this was like double, triple, quadruple burial for the sake of it, where I feel like what it could have been is like him either winning a match or competing really well in a match and then just barely losing where afterwards Maria's like, look, I needed to do that to motivate you. And then we we go on to the next week. You know what I mean? And, And we'll see what we got next week. Instead, it was like you get squashed by this guy. Oh, and then now you're such a bitch. Yeah. Now you're just straight up a bitch that you're running from Rusev. You're running from a fight and he beats you down anyway. And now I'm not the fight. So that that ending was like, uh, and then to see Michael Cole just like bitch slap Canellis over and over again, calling him Mike Canales, by the way. And then like telling him like, and then that really bad joke of like, oh, well, Mike Canales is almost as bad as the insert local team. Like it was just really, really right. lame. You just got schooled by so I felt it was like a little bit too far down the road of like, let's just destroy this guy where he could have shined him up a little. He could have he could have fought a little better in there and not been a full on bitch. I just can't get over Graves calling him a cuck. Like it's something we said on this show of like, hey, it's almost like a cuck storyline. And then it happens. Apparently, Vince McMahon, I don't know if this was true or not, according to. PW Insider or whoever, apparently Vince and Triple H and whoever were not at Raw, and they basically said, like, Paul and the writers, like, go for it. And Paul is like, okay, and just shoves the storyline in there. Um, look, Street Profits, gender reveal party, like, holy cow, that was incredible. The lines that Dawkins and Ford cut, Ford especially with the poll, that was my feel spot of the week as well. So now we don't even have to get to that segment. Um, I popped massively for that. I laughed my ass off. But like everything that happened from there, it was just uncomfortable and it seemed like maybe that was the point the entire time. So I'm willing to see where they go with it, BC. I hate to kind of say it, but it was a hero. 
Kentucky Long Rifle, Adam, Hero or Zero number three is a DM slide from the aforementioned Tristan Adelano. That's Liano underscore Tristan. Adelano. He says, I think we can all agree that this Rowan Reigns angle has largely failed after starting off very promising. Now with it seemingly going in the direction of it being Rowan and Harper versus Reigns and Bryan, is that the twist to the story you wanted? Hero or Zero. Also, how much of this fail can be blamed on it getting the last five to ten minutes on SmackDown every Tuesday for the past two months, which severely limited the amount of progress the story was able to receive? Hero or Zero here, Adam, to Rowan versus Reigns. So to answer the question, first of all, the storyline sucks. I mean, I've said it. Um, I wish I had a better a better vocabulary for this particular Storyline, but no, it sucks. It's boring. It's bad, and it it doesn't make much sense to me. And even even having Rowan explain his reasoning for attacking Reigns, it was too little, too late, and it, it was fine. He cut a good promo with Cole, but it was pretty much meaningless. Um, do I like the direction? No. Is it what I expected? Yes. I mean, them as a tag team match makes total sense at Hell in a Cell. Uh, but why? And what is going to happen after that? Is this all a swerve like we talked about? And maybe Brian is with these two guys and he's just taking beatings from them to kind of make Reigns think it's not him. And then he ultimately attacks him at the next pay-per-view. And they do have a one-on-one match for Survivor Series or whatever happens next. Maybe. Uh, But they've bungled this storyline. I don't care. And to what Tristan said, they every week when you watch SmackDown, you know the last five or ten minutes is going to be this storyline. Every single week, and it always feels rushed, and I don't know how they're booking it, why they're writing it that way. I don't care about it. This has been the main storyline on the show over the WWE Championship, over the women's storyline that has been intriguing. It's it's a total failure to me. Zero. Yeah, there's really not much else I could add. It's a monster zero, and it's it's so typical – modern day raw smackdown booking of you know now now ronan and harper are going to tag against these guys that don't want to be teammates and it's probably going to lose leave to like lead to what you said brian turning on reigns and oh we were all friends all along i don't see how they get out of it in any way that's not predictable or lame so um i don't think there's going to be any more twists you you failed yeah I'm, I'm sorry you know congratulations but uh ultimately you've played yourself let's move on all right, last part of Hero Zero. So Cedric Alexander, as we mentioned on Sunday, got beaten in like five minutes, eight minutes, whatever it was, at Clash of Champions by AJ Styles. Then they fight on Raw. AJ beats him again. Then hits a second rope avalanche Styles clash, for lack of a better terminology, and and hits him a third time. So now he's basically been beaten by AJ Styles and beaten the crap out of three times in two days. So actually three times in almost 24 hours. What are they doing with Cedric Alexander here? Is this an actual burial or is this a scenario where, hey, he's on TV and that's better than he was not being on TV? What do you think? Those are your two options, Hero or Zero. Uh, It's a monster zero. It's an absolute burial. It's also insanely lame that we just had this pay-per-view match on Sunday night. Oh, and we're going to show you how meaningless it is. We're going to run it back in a rematch on Monday. Like – Everything about it. Sucks. Well, I think I think it was to be fair. I think it was a six man with the Viking Raiders, but still. And then, and we already had a go home show with them against each other. So, and then, yeah, I happened to be on Twitter on a train ride on Monday, in which somebody was saying, uh, 
it was like I got teased into clicking on the video of a clip and it turned out to be audio from a Meltzer radio show in which he was saying, yes, Vince uh, made the call to absolutely bury him. Why? Is Vince done with him? Is the shiny toy over with? This was all the big tease. Cedric Alexander was never going to be a legitimate title contender. In the dark, he feels at home. He's going to stay in the dark, Adam. This sucked. And uh, may God have mercy on Vince's booking soul. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. There are people, um, I think, I could be wrong. I think Jack was one of them. But there are people who think that because Alexander's on TV and getting to work with AJ Styles, even though this is what happened to him over the last two days, um, that that's good. It's not a burial because he's actually on TV and he's not someone like The Ascension, right? Who Or The Colognes who exist in the WWE universe, but you just don't see them, or Mojo Raleigh, right, or someone like that. Yeah, I think this is almost worse, because I would much rather not have this guy get the absolute crap kicked out of him three times, even if it is by AJ Styles, where he's not really putting up a fight, at least not at the pay-per-view, and then not in the aftermatch segment where he takes that Styles clash. So unless they're trying to do some booking thing where they're continuing this feud, and Alexander's going to be the underdog and somehow gets over on Styles... It doesn't make any sense to me, and I got to be honest, for as excited as we were about Cedric Alexander and Buddy Murphy being on TV, and oh my God, they're using Buddy Murphy, Buddy Murphy's disappeared, Cedric Alexander is getting buried for lack of a better term, Ali, we saw him get absolutely murdered by Nakamura, although at least it's pretty clear they're going with a storyline there. Um, I don't know what they're doing with these guys. I can't wait for this draft to come. I hope that these guys actually wind up on places where they get used, and I think the brand split ultimately will help get them on TV. But for all the optimism I had for Cedric Alexander and Buddy Murphy, I gotta say, for all the main roster optimism that I forced myself to have ahead of this Fox launch, and again, I'm still gonna give them time to woe me, woo me, um, and woe me. Woe is me. Um, I'm not that interested anymore. I, I'm. I think I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give Fox, you know, a couple, certainly a couple weeks to really. But like, I'm gonna have a quick trigger finger. Like, Adam, seriously, if NXT is this good and AEW is something different, what else do I need? I don't think I need Monday and Friday anymore. So it's going to be up to them to make me have to. Uh, there's too much wrestling, and, and there's always been too much wrestling lately, but if NXT and AEW are going to be pushed on cable TV in your face and it's better than what's going on on Monday and Friday, if that's the case, if Monday and Friday is good every three weeks to remind you and then it's just, eh, what are we doing with our lives? Why would we stay? Why? Well, There's no well, reason. So they better. It's time to step. It is put up or shut up time for everyone. From AEW to Friday Night SmackDown, everybody's got to bring it. Because Paul's coming, okay? The thing with SmackDown being on Friday is it does make it for many a DVR show now. I mean, I'm, I will watch live occasionally when I happen to be home. But you know, that's it. I go out Friday nights and I'll watch it when I get home. And I'll DVR it and fast forward through it. So I think that will be almost easier to consume because you're going to say, hey, I don't have to sit through two hours live. I'm just going to be able to get through this, you know, and watch it an hour 15, hour 30. If, I, if there's a segment I really don't care about, fast forward through it. So I think SmackDown has every opportunity to succeed. And I think the brand split is really going to do good things for WWE, bringing storylines back we care about. Let's not forget, things were going really well during that last brand split. There was a period of time right in the immediacy afterward, uh, 2016, 2017, where it's like, okay, we got something going here. And then it got tired and they didn't they the shakeups were never good enough. They didn't move people around either enough or they were uneven when they did. 
Um, they didn't introduce enough new characters. They're just starting to do that. They're bringing new characters in. So I, I do have very positive vibes for WWE going forward. And regarding AEW, you know, we are coming up on that. It is coming soon. Uh, I believe it's two weeks from now. I am going to give it every opportunity in the world. But, you know, I've been watching Being the Elite and the road to AEW on TNT. We've seen their last couple of events. And they, I, they do not have me the way they had me after All Out. And even then, you know, me in particular, they didn't have me 100% anyway. But they don't have me. So I, I'm excited for NXT. Um, we're going to see what happens when Wednesdays roll around. I'll watch AEW Live on October 2nd because that's the new show. But most weeks, unless it is just incredible and something that I've never seen before, I'll probably watch NXT Live and AEW on tape. I think the, the way for AEW to do it is be talk heavy and talk great talk trash talk great you know like of course you got to deliver with the matches but yeah you got them some damn talkers on there use them you know what i mean like do what wcw did to grab viewers talk do it the right way then have your matches be i mean uh, a lot of people uh, man i'm ready i'm ready for this season because i have no idea who's going to break my heart who's going to fail me who's going to win me over but NXT was great this week. I love it. I will not talk to you about Shane and Kevin Owens. Get that off my timeline. I don't want to talk about anything <laughs> else WWE main roster because Hero Zero this week made me realize how much I actually, like, I know everyone's blown up on Twitter. Raw was great. Yeah, it was okay. You know, it was okay. I thought SmackDown was very good until the end. I thought Raw was pretty good top to bottom. Still freaking Diet Cola in the end, though. You know it, Adam. You know it in your heart. It's still Diet Cola in the end. Yeah, there's caffeine in it. But it's it's got cancerous things in there that'll kill you if you spend too much time watching it. Okay. Well, let me let me ask you this on the way out, so we won't talk Shane Owens. Is there any of these topics that you care to mention? Lynch Banks and the Hell in a Cell match coming up. The authors of Pain vignettes. Yeah, let me pause that. Don't okay. give me Lynch Charlotte on SmackDown unadvertised for the most part. Then get Agreed. me excited and then end it how you end every TV match with the other guy running in. Stop! Don't waste it. Have it be where the next time they do have a pay per view match. Make that match important and be like, wow, they haven't fought each other since that great feud in 2016. No, they did fight that one time where Bailey predictably ran in. Stop. There are so many women on this roster. Stop trolling. Have me. other matches. Yeah. What's the problem with all the right, Naomi I'm out. match? I'm out on Carmella WWE match. Main. I'm out on WWE main. All right. Stop. stop. I'm all out. Right. NXT uh, what about the... authors of pain vignettes? You said Owen Shane. You don't want to talk okay, about authors of pain Stro vignettes worked. But but at this, it did. It was great. I'm not I'm not going to be smart yet. I was a little nervous, though, that it was basically Aleister Black. Why won't somebody come fight me with the lights off? Like speaking of people we haven't seen in a while. Yes. Uh, Strowman coming in and trying to get himself back to monster levels by beating up the both new tag team champions at once. No, no, no. And last but not least, Big Cass getting arrested. Are you aware of this? Or not getting arrested, but nearly getting arrested. Well, for fighting with Janela and, and Pat Buck. Uh, yeah, yeah he, he apparently he was, was suffering from major Enzo. depression and had an episode at a indie show. And from the from yeah. the reports, he was defending Enzo's honor. I don't know, dude. One of these days, they're going to be back, and I'm going to pop for it. In the meantime, I actually don't need to follow uh, Kaz Excels or. You're the one who talks about Enzo coming back all the time, not Personal me, so. life, Adam, okay? If you're talking money, meaning WWE money, that's what I want to talk about because that's what happens. But anything else? If you ain't talking money, what the hell are you talking about? I'm not here to vouch for... Uh, By the way, that was from a... T What's amazing is the best Enzo clip is from a TMZ video. That's uh, incredible. You know, Eric Arndt, not a big fan. Enzo, 
freaking legend. Okay, but that's the show <laughs> for this week, Adam. You cannot touch what I just said. You're gonna touch me on MC Hammer, kid. You can't touch. You can't this. touch this. All right, this is where people need to tune out if they do not like Enzo because um, I'm gonna defend his honor. Okay, a couple of haters indeed. All right, because there's only very few. Adam, look, I'm a Mike guy, and there's very few people in history who have that flavor. He's good. That He's good on the mic. Right? That consistency. And let me be frank. I got that hot sauce. I got sauce. that hot sauce. Yeah. All right. That's it. I'm not talking anymore. The show's over. All right? Interview's over. All right. Whoa. Black Saber Jr. coming in on a DM right now. Should I read it blind? I'm going to read Go it blind. Adam, Let's do right? it. Let's see what it is. He says, I know the plan is to put both hours of NXT on USA eventually, but might the best model to keep the second hour on the network. This way, no. USA gets a hot lead into whatever follows, and the network gets the bump. No, 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 no,